Donald Dante, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We trust that this week's message is encouraging and full of hope for where we are. Um, we are starting a four-part series of talks called Love Wins. I've spent a lot of time in the last uh, two decades of my life doing ministry to family, teenagers, young adults, kids, parents, a lot of family ministry, and, and as such, a lot of family counseling. And these two words have shaped hundreds of conversations that I've had with people. I'm going through this right now. Okay. I acknowledge that you're going through that. I acknowledge that it's painful. I acknowledge that it hurts. I acknowledge that it's difficult. But love wins. And I don't know if there's a more watered-down word in the English language. Could there be a more misinterpreted, underdeveloped, poorly used word than love? Because I love holding a newborn baby. I love it that my Winnipeg Jets crushed Anaheim last night, 9-3. Let's go, Jets! I love sipping a perfectly extracted shot of espresso. I love it when a plan comes together. Nobody got that. That's okay. I actually love the Greek pizza from Stone and Wheel Pizzeria. It's, it's so good. I love Nicole. I love taking a hot shower after shoveling the driveway. I love hiking up Camelback Mountain in Phoenix, Arizona. I love, I love, I love. If I love everything, do I really love anything? Think about it. I actually have a friend in Winnipeg. His name is Ernest Gertson. And Ernie has a standard in his life. He refuses to use the word love unless he's talking about one of three things. God, his wife, or his kids. It's just a thing that he, and, I, and he, I've, I've known him for years, and, oh, and he's held to it. Um, I love that floor pocket. And um, I almost tripped, uh, if you missed it. But he refuses to use the word love unless he's talking about one of those three things. Because for him, the word love has such value. And he would never say, I love this specific cheeseburger, because he feels that to say that would cheapen the fact that he loves his wife. So I'm not sure that there's a more broad word watered down than the word love in our English vernacular. And this month, as we explore this topic of how love wins, how love wins in our homes, love wins in our marriages, love wins in our family, with our kids, love wins in our relationship with our boss, with coworkers, with our neighbors, I truly and entirely believe that whatever you're facing right now in a relationship with another person that feels difficult or painful or frustrating or disappointing or heart-wrenching, I believe to my core that love wins. And I want to read from a, a chapter in the Bible that most people call the love chapter, and I guarantee if you've been around any kind of gathering of people who follow Jesus for any length of time, there's a good chance if you've ever been to a wedding You've probably heard some part of the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. Um, one of the early church's um, incredible leaders, a guy named Paul, wrote two letters to um, the church in the city of Corinth. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, the entire chapter I'm going to read it. 
from the Passion Translation. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages, and I don't know why I always picture myself wanting to talk like James Earl Jones when I read this. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages, in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself in love. My words would be reduced. Right? It, it feels like this poetic, you know, a Lion King moment. I just, the clouds break through. My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own, to feed the poor, and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Love refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than the gift of tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child, but the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. The inference here is that I, I set aside my childish ways of pursuing all these gifts things, and I matured when I began to learn to walk in love. Okay? For now we see a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. And until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. I'm going to teach from the first few verses of that chapter today, but hopefully over the month we're going to be able to unpack what was actually trying to be communicated in this letter. How many of you here have heard of the term vague booking? Show of hands. Vague booking? Anybody? No, but how many of you have heard of the term Facebooking? Facebooking? To Facebook is to create a Facebook update, is to write a status. To Vagbook is the practice of intentionally crafting a mysterious post to elicit sympathy and or attention. To Vagbook is to write something. I've been researching Vagbooking, and I came across this pathetic, downright uh, broken man on Facebook that just consistently Vagbooks. 
And, uh, and, you know, to vague book is to write something so vague that you're hoping somebody takes the bait and comments, are you okay? What's going on in your world? So I wanted to share some of this guy's vague books, okay? The first one is unbelievable, right? I'm just like, so vague. Like, what is this guy up to? Just, I could end on and this one, then this next one. Is life really worth it? Is life really worth what? What, what happened that this guy is so down? Like, it's just, but it's, it's, you feel like he's trying to say something, but it's just so vague, and we have to pray for this guy. The third one is, someone's sure going to be surprised tomorrow. About what? Like, come on, man, give us some details, right? But he's, he's hoping maybe one of us will bite, and, you know, what happened? Is everything okay? It's just so vague. Number four, thinking that was a bad idea. I, that, this was my favorite. I'm like, man, this guy, just he's consistently vague booking. And I don't know, maybe he's got no friends. I, I'm not sure what his deal is. And the last one is like, why? Only me. John Ozanting is feeling frustrated, right? Why? Only me. And it just makes you want to reach out and say, can I pray for you, right? What's going on in your world? What's the point with these vague posts? And this is a term in our world. It's kind of sad to me that this is a term. Vague booking, it exists in the planet. I didn't make this up. You know, even worse, you know, when one of the well-meaning friends reach out and said, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay? Usually you get a response with, I don't really want to get into it. Well, then why'd you post it in the first place? Like, what, what exactly I don't want to get into? Or DM me, right? DM me. Well, if it's a private conversation, why'd you make it a vague public post? Vague booking. How beneficial are these posts? They're so vague. They're not helping anybody. And clearly this guy, John Ozanting, whoever he is, we need to pray for him. He's intentionally crafting a mysterious post to elicit sympathy and or attention. How much better is it when, in life when things are not vague, but they are clear? Isn't it great when things are clear? In our marriages, when we have conversation about expectations, when that communication happens and, and it's clearly communicated what we expect and anticipate out of this marriage relationship. Hopefully you had that conversation before you got married, if you're married here. But um, you know, to clearly communicate what, what your values are, to clearly communicate. When, when there's clarity in our relationships, isn't that a beautiful thing? It's way better than being vague. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging symbol. Why a symbol? Why a gong? Other translations say a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. Why a symbol? Why? Hands up if you're a musician in the room. Hands up if you play an instrument or hands way up. Way, way up. Come on, way up. You should join the worship team. You should join the worship team. You should join the worship team. You should. No. Hands up again. Hangs up. How many, is anybody, I'm curious, does anybody in the room have perfect pitch? Anybody, anybody? What note is this? What note is that? Come on, there's not that many notes. There's C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, and some sharps and flats in between. What note is that? Is it? Or is it so vague it lacks clarity? It's just noise. Often we interpret 
this passage that um, it's a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal because it's just noisy, it's loud, actually has more to do with the fact that in the city of Corinth, um, there were men and women who worshipped pagan gods, and in those temples, they would bang gongs, and it was like a cultish practice to worship with gongs, and it was just like this unclear noise. There was no clarity to it. You know, there are other instruments like my sacred recorder that I've had for a long time that when you play a note, you know that it's a note because it's clear, right? I, I'm going to put my mic down because I want to play. Why did I choose a recorder over a gong? Because I thought it was funny. The emphasis, the emphasis in 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about our love and the words that we use and are we expressing ourselves clearly, has to do with are we getting so caught up in sounding spiritual that it just simply ends up being unclear. It's vague. Well, what exactly is this person trying to communicate? Because I truly and entirely believe that whatever you're facing right now in a relationship with another human being that feels difficult, disheartening, hard work, like a struggle, painful, love wins. But the love that wins is a love that's clear. It's not a love that's vague. It's not a, I love pizza. I love, you know, these boots. I don't. I just, you know, I don't love them. I've never, like, given them a hug or anything. It's a love that's clear. Some of us here today, we've made an intentional decision to follow Jesus. At some point in our journey, we're like, you know what? I'm all in. Some of you here are still in process and you're still trying to figure out who you are and what you believe and why you believe what you believe. But we've made this decision to follow Jesus and we're sincere in that decision. We're honest and we're earnest and we mean it. We really do care about learning to trust and follow him. You might say that our goal is for Jesus to be seen clearly in our life. Philippians 1.27 is a verse that we quote regularly. Meanwhile, live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ Jesus. Be evident in my life, Jesus. Be clearly seen in how I love the world around me and how I serve other people and how I demonstrate love and how I express love and how I communicate love and how I learn to love. God, more than anything, what I want is for you to be seen clearly in my life. That's a prayer I've prayed for years and it's a prayer I will continue to pray and it's a prayer I hope you pray. In all of our relationships, our home, our family, our marriage, our work, our dating, community, neighbors, enemies, in order for all of our relationships to have a clear sense of Jesus' love at work, we have to pay close attention to the story that our lives are telling. We have to pay close attention to how we love. Is my life simply a vague expression of Jesus' love? 
or is it shaped with clarity? Before we look together over the next few weeks at some specific relationships and how we're going to learn to love clearly in a way that love wins, I'd like to take the remaining time today to uh, clearly define what I believe the Bible teaches us love is. And I want to quote three amazing wise sages. The first is a band called Foreigner. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Right? Keep that in mind. The second wise sage that I'd like to reference is uh, John Mayer. <laughs> so you got to show, show, show me, show, show, show me, show. Show, show me, love is a verb. Got to do it. Show me love. And the last quote is from 1993. I believe a one-hit wonder from a hardly known female artist named Robin S. And uh, so, baby, if you want me, you gotta show me love. Who remembers like that dance hit from the 1990s? Anybody? Oh yeah, I can hear that loop in my head, the drum groove going through. And um, so baby, if you want me, you've got to show me love, right? Because love is a verb. You've got to show, show, show me love. And I want to know what love is, so I need you to show me Oddly enough, all three of these songs share a lyric in common that preaches truth. It preaches clarity. So, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. Number Verse 1, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages, in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love. Repeat after me. Express myself with love. Very good. Express yourself. Uh, it goes on to say, if I were having a gift of prophecy with profound understanding... God's hidden secrets, unending supernatural knowledge, the greatest gift of faith, but have never learned to love. Repeat after me. Learn to love. Like you mean it, people. Come on. Uh, All together. Express myself with love. Learn to love. And lastly, verse 3, if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own, feed the poor, offer my body to be burned without the pure motive of love, say, have the motive of love. Express love, learn love, motive of love. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 13, it's this beautiful, poetic, James Earl Jones, you know, inspiring text, right? Actually, that's not accurate. If you study the Bible, when Paul wrote this letter to to the church in the city of Corinth, this letter is actually a corrective letter. It's a rebuke. It's not a love is patient and kind, right? It's beautiful. It's not. It's actually more akin not to James Earl Jones, but to Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Get to the chopper, right? Express yourself in love, right? He's, he's, he's going off on them. He's like, you've got to express yourself. You've got to live with the motive of love. He's going off on the church of Corinth. Why? Because they were ineffective in loving people. They were all like, I want to prophesy. Give me, give me this new knowledge. Give me this information. 
did you hear so-and-so? They're, they're speaking in some weird unknown language. They've got the gift. Oh, I want to speak in tongues, all these spiritual gifts, which are important. I'm not putting those down. I'm not diminishing those. But they were so focused on all this external physical gift stuff that they forgot to walk in love, express love, learn love, motive of love. They just got weird. And so this letter, if you've always you heard it at weddings and people are crying, love is patient, that's beautiful. But clearly there was an issue with the church not being patient. They were not being kind. So this letter, whenever you read 1 Corinthians 13, not James Earl Jones. Think of Arnold. Think of Arnold, right? He's like, he's coming to bring the heat. You are in trouble, is what Paul is saying. You have gotten out of line. In short, you think you're so spiritual of all these spiritual gifts, but you neglect the core essence of Jesus, building up others through how you express yourself in love and learn to love and live with the motive of love. I met a man in my later high school years in, when I was living in Vancouver. Um, he would preach at our church from time to time. And when I got baptized, he was one of the guys that actually helped baptize me. And his name is Gordon Fee. And Gordon was born in the States. He spent a lot of years in Canada. Uh, he's still alive today, but he's a... Um, very well-written Canadian theologian and a professor at Regent College in, in Vancouver. And um, just like a beautiful man. Just the kind of guy that like oozes wisdom. And as I was preparing for today, I came across his book, his, his reflections, his commentary on 1 Corinthians 13. And here's what Gordon Fee wrote. He said, um, from this chapter, two further points have to be made. First, because of the lyrical nature of this section... It's easy to think of love as an abstract quality. And that is precisely to miss Paul's concern. Love is primary for him because it has already been given concrete expression in the coming of Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world. Love is not an idea for Paul. Not even a motivating factor for behavior. I hope that love motivates my behavior. No, Love is behavior. To love is to act. Anything short of action is not love at all. Second, love is not set over against the spiritual gifts precisely because it belongs in a different category altogether. For Paul, it's not the gifts, but better to love. Rather, love is actually the way the spiritual gifts are meant to function. Love is the vehicle, he's saying, through which spiritual gifts are meant to impact the world around us. To desire earnestly expressions of the Spirit that will build up the community is how love acts in this context. So a couple things I'm going to put on the screen that, that Gordon Fee brings out of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not an idea for Paul, not even a motivating factor for behavior. Love is behavior. To love is to behave. Love is behavior. To love is to act. Anything short of action is not love. I love you. Show it. Second, love is not set over against the spiritual gifts because it belongs in an entirely different category. However, for Paul, it's not spiritual gifts, but love is better. It's actually love is how spiritual gifts are meant to interact with the world. Love is how God wants to work through you to bring hope and belonging to other people. When, when you step into 
um, let's say, you know, the gift of prophecy, okay? To prophesy, uh, that's a very churchy thing to say. I, I've never once been in Walmart and had the clerk say, hey, I heard this great prophecy the other day. Right? I've never once encountered that language in the context of normal life. And some of you, when I even say the word prophesy, you might even conjure up images of weird people. I'm, I'm just being honest. Because, because some people make their life about flowing in the prophetic. And, and I think we should make our lives about flowing in love. And the byproduct of walking in love is that we're going to be able to use the gift of prophecy to bring hope and encouragement to somebody. Because to prophesy is to simply tell somebody with words out loud what God has already written down as true and beautiful and good. And to pull the best out of that for that person's future. We actually prophesied today all together out loud when we sang lyrics. Because I know the thoughts you have for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope because your promises never fail. We actually prophesied out loud today. We took truth from Scripture that God says this is what is true. And we said it out loud about our future. Do you know what's coming down the road for you? No. But in faith, can we declare, can we prophesy something that God's already said to be true? With love as the motive, God wants to work through your life to bring hope and encouragement to somebody else. So to express ourselves with love, number one, three thoughts. Love's not an idea for Paul. It's not even a motivating factor for how to behave. It is behavior. It is the words that we speak. It is how we show people the essence, the core essence of who Jesus is and what he stands for. And we can read verses 4 through 8. I express myself with love when I'm largely and incredibly patient. I express myself with love when I'm gentle and consistently kind. I express myself with love when I refuse to be jealous. I express myself with love when I don't brag about my stuff. I express myself with love when I don't traffic in bringing shame and disrespect or selfishly seeking my own honor. I express myself with love when I'm not easily irritated. And it goes on and on and on. This beautiful list what love is, but that list is meant to be your life, how you love and serve the world around you, how you express the core essence of Jesus in how you behave. Love is behavior, and love is patient as it's kind, as it's good, as it's gentle, as it doesn't brag, as it doesn't boast. Love is behavior. So number one, we have to learn to express ourselves with the language of love that we read in 1 Corinthians 13, because when we learn to express love clearly, as our default, I believe that we fine-tune the story of how God's Spirit is working through us. Number two, we learn to love. We have to learn how to love. You know, we've been married almost, uh, it'll be 19 years this August that we've been working on our first marriage. And, you know, the other day we were running some errands in the car together and uh, Nicole reached across the console of my truck and grabbed my hand. She said, "Hun." I love you. I said, hmm. Because I'm a man. And she says, you know, why is it you don't tell me you love me anymore? And I was like, baby, when I married you 18 years ago, I stood before God and witnesses and I said, I love you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Didn't actually happen. It's a terrible joke. But, um... (laughs) It did not happen. It did not happen. It's just a bad joke. Uh, but we have to learn how to love one another. And, and if you've been married for any length of time, I hope you're continuing to learn how to love your spouse. If, you, if you've 
created some children or, or, or parenting someone else's kids, if you're parents, I hope you're learning how to love. When we were first married, it was August um, 2000. We got back from a honeymoon, settled into apartment living and getting to know each other. And, and one day, my father-in-law, Dave Broadford, he shows up at our apartment. He says, hey, can I get Nicole's keys? I'm like, why? He's like, I'm going to go wash her car. Yeah, you say, ah. Uh. I was like, who the heck do you think you are? I'm her husband. I, I, that's on the inside. I'm like, I will wash my wife's car. You're not going to wash my wife's car. Who do you think you are? I'm like, yeah, you can have her keys. And he left to go wash the car, and I sat down on the couch. I'm like, he doesn't, he doesn't think I'm good enough. He doesn't think I'll do a good enough job washing her car. I'm like, how am I going to deal with this? The next week, he comes into our apartment. Hey, can I have your uh, wife's keys? And he went and washed the car, and we came back. He's like, hey, uh, why don't I take your car and wash it too? And now I'm like, oh, come on. Do you get he must think I'm an absolute imbecile, totally inept. Right around that same time, I started reading a book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And I started reading the chapter on how love, as you learn to speak other people's love languages, one of the ways we express love is through acts of service. And I read this book, and I was like, bing! When dad comes to our place to ask for the keys to go wash our car, what he's actually saying is, I really love you. Not, I think you're an imbecile. <laughs> a little like check yourself, right? A little heart check. I was like, oh man. But we read through this book and Nicole and I read through it together. And in Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, he goes through five basic ways that people give love and receive love through acts of service, through words of affirmation, through physical touch, through quality time and through gift giving. You know, if, if you are like me, my, my two dominant love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch. You want to know how it's easiest for me to express love to other people? Through words of affirmation and physical touch. I will hug perfect strangers. I'm that guy. And to speak words that, that affirm somebody and, and raise up the core value in someone's heart, like, I love, I love that kind of stuff. But if all I ever do is default to what comes naturally to me, there will be people in my world that don't feel loved. Because I'm, an, I'm a words of affirmation, physical touch guy, but I'm married to an acts of service. Sometimes I think she's all five. It's not fair, but I have learned that acts of service and quality time are her probably dominant love languages. We're continuing to figure this out. But if all I ever did was hug Nicole, you know, and tell her her worth and her value, but I never served her and never spent quality time with her, eventually within a context of married life, she would say, he doesn't love me. Is that true? No. I'm just not learning to express myself in a way that honors and serves her. And so with our kids in our home, with other people, we're always trying to honor what their love language is trying to learn love. And if you've read uh, Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages, reread it. And if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to. But you, can, you can display intelligence. You can wax eloquent. You can astound people with knowledge. But can you give your daughter a significant hug when it matters the most? Because a physical touch is that little girl's love language and she's not getting it from you, dad. She's going to get it somewhere else. You can provide for your family. Bring home the big bucks. Get that promotion. 
But can you look your son in the eye and say, I'm so proud of the way that you honor and respect your teachers at school. I'm so proud of you, son. Because if his love language is words of affirmation, you can give him all that he wants and all the gifts and all the stuff, but if you never take the time to speak to his heart and bring out his worth, he will say, dad doesn't love me, and he'll look for love somewhere else. Or mom doesn't love me, I shouldn't be picking on the dads. But we have to learn to love. We have to express ourselves in love, and we have to learn to love. And lastly, as I close, is we have to have the motive of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I were to be so generous as to give away everything and feed the poor and offer my body to be burned without the pure motive of love, I gain nothing of value, nothing at all. We have to remember that the goal for how we are both expressing love and continuing to learn how to love The goal is for others to see Jesus, not for others to pat us on the back and say, you're doing a good job. It's for others to see Jesus. We have to stop thinking about love as an abstract quality, and we have to stop diminishing love to be so inclusive that it loses its worth. Love has already been given a concrete expression in our lives through the coming of Jesus Christ through dying a cruel death in order that you and I might know God fully. Love defined. There's no greater love than to lay down our lives for someone else. To love through how we express, through how we learn, and through our motive for why we love. Love's not an idea. It's not a motivating factor to impact our behavior. Love is behavior. To love is to act. Anything short of action is not love at all. Love is the way through which God works through our lives. And love is the tool and the vehicle through which God is speaking to the world around us. Love wins. In Jesus' name. And it's from this heart and definition of love that over the next few weeks, we're going to look at married life. We're going to look at dating life. We're going to look at raising kids. And if you're here and you're not married, you're single, that's okay. I hope you're going to learn something that will help you. If you're here and you don't have kids of your own, that's okay. Because in this room right here is, is a, a son or daughter that needs a mentor. And you're going to learn how to bring a heart of a parent, a heart of a mom or a dad to somebody else. Even before you have your own kids, we're going we're gonna to look at how to love neighbors how to love strangers, how to love people that think we're weird and that we think are weird, strangers. We're going to learn how to love them together, but this is the foundation. And so this week in your devotion life, I I want you, whatever translation you love to read the Bible, read through 1 Corinthians 13, the entirety of the chapter. Just read it through a few times this week if you can. I read today from the Passion Translation because it pulls out the language of love in a very contemporary way. But I want to encourage you to invite God to explore the inner working of how you are actually loving the people in your world. Are you expressing yourself clearly? Is there clarity in how you're expressing love, or is it vague? Are you continuing to learn how to love? And are you loving with the right motive that others would see Jesus in you? Not that you'd get the... the, the applause, the pat on the back, the applause, but to express, to learn, and the right motive. Amen? All right.
get at her. Let's pray as we close. God, love wins. I know that you don't make mistakes, God. And yet I read all these stories about how you tried so hard to get one specific group of people to love you. And it was through their behavior and through their exercises and through their routine and through their discipline and through their stuff. And, and it would work for a while, but then they'd turn away and then they'd come back. And it would work for a while and then they'd turn away and then they'd come back. And Actually, the history of humanity is human beings trying to do it on their own. But all along, you've desired close, intimate, and loving relationship with every person. And so you devised a plan, the ultimate love wins strategy through your perfect son, through the gift of Jesus. You set in motion a new definition for love, a new model and a new expression new essence of what love really is. And you showed us love through how Jesus Christ lived, served, sacrificed, and gave up himself so that we might find hope in you. And that love wins strategy through the person of Jesus is still in effect today. His story still echoes for generations behind us and generations yet to come. And what we want more than anything is that Jesus' story would echo through our lives, through how we walk in love and through how we express ourselves with love and how we continue to learn strategies for loving better and how we all ultimately walk with the motive of love. Work in our lives this week Prepare us for a month of learning and growth together as a church community. Expand our understanding of what love is. Grow our capacity to love the unlovely. Grow our understanding to love those we hold dear. But more importantly, grow our concept of how much you love us. Thanks so much for listening. Visit InvolveChurch.com for more information. And if you're ever in the Edmonton area, stop by.